0: In the pandemic, books were not socially distant from us. It was one of the comforts for a lot of people. There were books to read and books to follow and books to look forward to. But one of the strange things about reading, although it's done silently and it's done alone most of the time, that you want to share books, that if you like a book, you want someone else to read it, that you love the idea of a book that is in a way being, being part of the community or part of a community of readers. With that in mind, the art of reading is a way of bringing readers together. It's a way of choosing books that I think people might like because they have given me a lot of pleasure. And having a discussion about these books and bringing people together so that we all know that it's not just that reading is a form of pleasure, which it also is, but it's an art. It's actually a way for us to engage intellectually and imaginatively with words, with sentences, with what writers have done. And um, so for that reason, um, I wanted to share these books that have mattered so much to me. Colin, um, it's good to talk to you. Um, Those of us who loved your first book, Young Skins, are fascinated by the fact that you have written a second book of stories with further masterpiece stories in it and I suppose everyone who's on this is going to have some favorite story and I want to start really with mine and it's the last story and it's called 10 and I wonder if you could just t- tell us what it's about and um, without giving the plot away and um, tell us how you came to write it.
1: Ah, well thanks Colin, lovely to see you too uh, lovely to see everyone from uh, Castle and I'm only sorry I can't be there in person, but um, it uh, the ten, yeah, and um, that story. Oh, that's what else give away? It's um, yeah, it's about a young guy who kind of he's about eighteen years old. He comes back to his uh, hometown of in County Mayo, uh, and he's spent the greater part of his adolescence trying to unsuccessfully trying to make it as a pro footballer in England, a soccer player for Manchester United. So when the story picks up, he's working in his dad's dealership and um, he's got an older brother who um is working up in dublin he comes down for the weekend and uh danny that's the protagonist the the, the footballer he um he's also sort of just negotiating the weekend with his, his girlfriend shauna who, who sort of stuck by him all those years he was he was abroad in England trying to make it as a footballer so it's just kind of charts that weekend in the lives of those characters that story
0: um Colin, I wonder if the short story form has any rules at all, and if it does have uh, the rules, if the chances of breaking them are really what's exciting about the form. In other words, if you just look at James Joyce's Dubliners, you look at them, there's a number of different ways in which the story can be done, and and how short it can be and how long it can be, how simple it can be in the way just just almost nothing happens. And then in that final story, say, in in The Dead, how, how much sort of textured life is integrated into the fabric of the story, and with this story, um, it, it it isn't a novel, it isn't a novella, whatever a novella is. I mean, it remains in the it remains in the status of story, but quite a, quite a lot happens, and quite a number of characters emerge, and quite a number of dramas are happening. So, yeah. so um, I suppose this first question is, do you? Um, Oh, yeah let us let's just start at the very beginning of it do you start with a character do you start with with a an image or do you start with a sentence uh, i th- I mean I think it generate
1: I always thought of the starting with an image
0: of a character like a like a visual image almost you know
1: like a physical before I know anything about them just I'll have a picture of them in my head a very fuzzy one very incomplete one but um um, and with that, it was very much the opening scene it was the scene I wrote with Danny just sort of um, sitting in an office doing nothing. He's just sitting in, in fact, he wakes up after having fallen asleep. And a fly has just nipped him in the head or a mosquito and um, a little bug. And he, um, so he wakes up, Midge, and uh, he kind of snaps awake. And that was, I mean, you know, I, I kind of knew he was, a, he was an ex-footballer or, you know, that was his story but i didn't really know much beyond that i knew well i knew he worked his father's dealership but that was that was that image and um it took a long time i spent a long time just on those opening sequences which aren't very plot necessary but just him sort of doing nothing in an office waiting for time to trickle by he, he checks the vents to make sure the aircon's working and he's looking at the window and following the fly and all that sort of stuff and then his dad comes in and they start talking and kind of picks up but uh yeah that's that's what I started with that's what I tend to start with 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 stories but I mean when I, I actually went back and looked at all this I think like I think literally either the a character is introduced or their name almost at the start of every story almost practically the first line is, is a character's name or a reference to them so I can't claim anything other than the stories are very much character centered they are just their character pieces you know
0: so so you start with that image which you know there's a bug he's asleep he's in a he's in a place it's Friday afternoon his father comes in what's interesting first is that you're breaking a whole lot of rules in that the relationship between him and his father seems pretty good in other words the first thing you at <laughs> in an nice story when you have a father coming into the sun there's going to be some major major attack one on the other and also because people have read young skins they realize you know this this surely something really violent and difficult is going to happen here and dramatic but actually it's quite that that opening really goes against the grain of what you've been doing before it's it's quite gentle
1: hmm. yeah i mean it's um i suppose i i wanted to tell danny's story but it wasn't going to be one that had any kind of dramatic it was a story i wanted to tell for years and i just i knew a couple of guys you know from mayo who like went went over and people played a lot of sports in mayo anyway in gaelic is you know as well as soccer but i knew guys who went over and came back and and um a lot of them had this sort of like, they almost didn't mind the pressure was so much, you know, such a strange play, thing to do up your life when you're only a kid and go into this incredible high pressure environment. And so some of them came back were very philosophical about it. They really didn't mind that they were out of that, that you know, madhouse really. And um, so I did want to tell the story for years and I just, I really wanted to focus on sort of like him kind of, you know, integrating however, you know, Difficult or not that is, but trying to trying to get yeah, gently reintegrate into 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 his community. And I suppose I had the idea that I didn't want a, an antagonist. I didn't want him to have a bad relationship with his father or his girlfriend or the ex coach or his brother. I, I just wanted to see what would happen. Could you tell a good story if uh, if everyone's kind of rooting for him, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's uh, kind
0: of
1: rooting for him. There's no. There's no. Yeah. I,
0: major I conflicts. It's fascinating how you build it. For example, he doesn't drink. It isn't as though he's come back and suddenly at, at a later age than everybody else, he has discovered yeah. the joys yeah. of alcohol and, and is really indulging himself. He's, he's solid. And there's a moment where he's offered a joint. He sort of takes it, but it isn't his thing. That, no. that, that, so that he stands apart from others because in, because in a way his time in Manchester has, it's not just that it's toughened him. It, it's given him a sense of, in, in a way, I suppose, purpose that that it isn't and what's strange is it isn't as though he's lost that sense of purpose it just doesn't have anywhere to any focus for it but he's still solid
1: yeah it's given him it has given him a kind of identity in a series of habits and rituals and um he's kind of still he abides by them you know and um, i imagine he's still you know I, I didn't include a scene but i imagine he still like goes training and goes working on keeping himself in shape and yeah he's not going to just start drinking and, and stuff like that so and that itself you know marks him out as as a as Sean's sister he points out that, you know, he doesn't drink, it's it's a unique enough trait, unfortunately, that it's worth a comment on. So, um, yeah, just little things like that, I think, you know, help to, you know, illustrate that he's a, a man out of place, as it were.
0: Were you tempted to um, keep the story tighter in that it would just be a story about um, what actually happened to that family? which comes when he meets his brother from the train. And I think mm. really skillfully, called it's really beautifully done. I mean, I love the father-son because I think it's going somewhere and it's not. It's just not going to do that for me. And then the father says to him, okay, so it's a no. And he said, no, no, I didn't say no. I, of course I'll do it. Of course I'll meet my brother off the train. I can and that goes, that goes down. So that's not going to happen. And when the brother comes off the train, the brother's Ben, and the brother's in a wheelchair, but you don't make a big deal of that. He just comes off the train in a very skillful way and he gets put into the car again. in it just as, as though it's just normal. You sort of normalize it. You don't make it into something that's, um, you know, um, sensationalized or sentimentalized or anything. It's just it's just made normal. And then you, we, we want to know what happened. And um, so there is there is there, I mean, did you ever think would that be the story, the story of the result of that, that? What it's like for that family?
1: Mm. I, I mean, I definitely wanted to be there in the background, and I mean, I don't know whether to my detriment or not. I always, when I, I enjoy introducing characters and extra characters. I think in the first draft, he had a brother, but I don't think he, I literally don't think he showed up, you know. And then I realized, well, why would I mention a brother if he's not going to appear and like, you know, at least participate in in the action? So, and the same kind of with Shauna's family, her sister, older sister, and and her dad and stuff. So. Uh, I just like collecting these characters and then seeing what you can do and I mean it ended up kind of being a long story because of that but um, it, I, I mean yeah there's a few little games with, with the reader in that in that sense that you're you know you're dangling the relationship with the father who does have like a scar from a, a crash and um, you know just how much of that information you dole out and when you dole it out I suppose was like something I talked with like with people who read the story and because I didn't want it to be you know a twist, or a you know, sensationalize it, or make it a kind of point, some sort of point of catharsis for for the Danny character. I really wanted to just. I didn't want to. I didn't want to take easy dramatic options. I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether yeah. that makes the most compelling story. Yeah. But I think if you just keep that tension there, I yeah. You enjoy it. You know.
0: Yeah. No. No. It's absolutely compelling. And, and I mean, one of the things that happens is where the by the details. You know, it isn't as though you say he had a scar. You just say he pulled up his shirt and he began to sort of scratch. And then you realize that from the wrist to the elbow that there's a big scar and then it becomes clear. But the first thing you notice, you don't know why he's scratching himself there. And so it's, so it's, so it's done as a, as a sort of um, as a way as a sort of live detail. Um I'm, I'm interested in the idea of you, know, you, you don't know where the story is going. And what's strange is every time you you bring us anywhere, for example, the sister, who's called Evie, you know, I love how she's really and there are people like that who are really competent in a Friday evening in a pub of finding a place with a table for four in in the right part of the pub where she needs to be. And you realise that she doesn't need to meet her friends now. She's meeting her friends at eight. She just wants to get away from her kid who she's left with her father. The father has made roast beef, which no one is going to eat because the mother is away somewhere. She never appears. But um, and then there's a baby who does something funny with a biro or with, with a is, is with a pen. But in oh, other words, nursery rhyme book. Yeah. It's nursery, rhyme, Yeah. or the nursery rhyme book that makes the makes the music every time. But someone bites on a pen at some point or even anyway. goes
1: and her, yeah, it looks like her mouth starts pleading. To, to Danny.
0: So yes, yeah. just those tiny details, which actually are going to lead us nowhere. It's not as though that that um, thing is going to look that looks like blood is going to come up later. It's just another thing like the roast beef um, giving him a sliver of it to, you know, to taste it. And um, the mother being away like like it just builds and builds with this, uh, this accretion of credible detail. It isn't just credible detail, by the way. It is that you're in the pub when Evie is in the pub. You're in there with her somehow or other in a few sentences. You've managed to create the pub. Um, similarly, <laughs> there's a lovely moment where, you know, the father, Evie's father and Shauna's father was a teacher, and now he's retired. And the house is big, so they've opened a the bed and breakfast. And our hero, who's Danny, just wonders the idea of opening your house for people to traipse, I love drapes <laughs> to traipse in and out as a way of maybe they need the money, but it is a bit odd as a way to make a living. And so all these things are being built. And all the time you're watching, in fact, that Danny is somehow in place and out of place. In other words, the Manchester thing is there. He's in a job with his father that it's not clear he's ever going to stay in. And there's a guy called Budgie, who's tremendous, who is one of those, every, every town or village has one. He just lives for sport and he wants everyone to be involved in sport. And he just really wants Danny back on the local soccer team. You know, he wants him as a number 10, he just wants him in. And so, you know, all the time, that I mean, you know, what so, I'm wondering is, first of all, just give me a thing. How, how long did it take to write this? <laughs>
1: It um, didn't actually take that long. I, I, As I said, I've been thinking about that character. I've been wanting to write that story for years, you know? So um, it was kind of, it. I think it was the last story I wrote to put in the collection, and then um, I wrote it in 2020. And um, so I did write it over on and on. I had the kid, we had lockdown, so I had kids at home, so I was only kind of able to write in the evenings, you know, for most of 2020. And um, so I did write it over. Yeah, it probably took seven or eight months on and off but um you're just working on evenings but i, I kind of i had the character of danny pretty quickly and I, I always had the opening scene in the dealership and i was mean, he worked for his dad and he used to be a footballer so the when i wrote the first draft as i said uh ben the brother was absent and he it, it was you know it it really was it, nothing happened to a to a detrimental degree in the first draft but it was just a draft and then i went back and I said let's get ben into it and that sort of unlocked that just created a new dynamic of well, what if Shauna is going to have this, not quite a breakup, but talk with Danny, but Ben is there and and her friend is there, and, and that complicated it. So, I've yeah, I just found by by putting in these details, by including these details, they just help me find a way through a story and help me generate momentum. I think, I I think even, even just the scene where she he goes to the the, the house that's B and B and meets the parent, uh, meets uh, Shauna's father and Evie. You know, if it was a shorter scene with less details, it would be totally unjustified. It just needed to breathe and have those, just have that accretion of credible little details, you know, that, that, that make the characters alive, I guess. That's always what I'm trying to do. It's what I like in books, you know, whatever great themes or, or plot events are happening. I, I, you know, I just live for those little details that make a character feel alive. And they're always kind of superfluous to a degree, but they're what bring it alive. Yeah.
0: The, so do you do you add them, or are are they are they there as you, as as you begin? In other words, that that is yeah, they could seem oddly superfluous. You have to judge them. It's a question of tact. I mean, they have to be right, but there's no proof they're right. I mean, it's not as though they're needed for the plot. They're needed for something else. They're needed for the reader's engagement. And so and there's I, ones I, that are,
1: there's ones that are wrong as well. Like in a draft, I had a, I had another guy who worked in the dealership,
0: who was kind of a comical
1: character, but he just. He wasn't necessary, you know. It was just Danny, and has this. So,
0: at what stage does he fall away?
1: Uh, he fall. He fell away in the, the in kind of the second second draft, yeah. And he was he was there, and uh, I knew I needed someone else uh, in with the, the father and Danny, and I guess and it ended up being Ben, the brother. But for a while, it was this other guy who just you know who worked in the town and 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 worked in the dealership. But uh, it just and it's a question of pacing too. It made it made that open seem too long and cumbersome. Um. Whereas with Ben, Ben is the reason Danny has to go somewhere. Now he's got a time limit; he's got to go to Sean's house. It's very elementary things, but they do, they do, you know, get the story on a track. And, and so then he's, a time limit. he's got to pick up Ben. So it just made the whole thing, you know.
0: When you're drafting, do you do a whole new draft again? Or do you sort of fill in and take out from a, from a sort of master draft?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I keep, I always keep safety documents backed up and, and um, but then I will, yeah. I'll, I'll i'll start from the start with a new a new draft and uh see how it goes you know yeah
0: uh, um yeah. tell me something um you know when i'm writing about enniscorthy i i call it enniscorthy and if, if it's the market squares the market square and then there's rafter street and then there's wafer street and there's main street and then Slaney street yeah and like i'm absolutely clear where it is and anyone going to the town will say well that's where they went down and if they go down Slaney street you know they they, they hit uh you know the bottom of St Street Um, and if they're going to Bunclody it's that way and if they're going to Wexford it's the other way so what's your view on this on this business of um, topography and um, naming places and being very precise about locality?
1: Yeah I mean I was I was it felt right to just use the real because in Youngskins obviously I had the the conceit of the town this fictional town Bay, which doesn't exist in Mayo and is a composite of Towns I knew, but um in, in, in all the stories in homesickness, I just kind of used the real names, I suppose. But I'm still quite I'm not I'm not very diligent about um geography particularly. I'm just bad at it anyway. I'm bad at giving directions, I'm bad at receiving directions, I'm bad at memorizing directions and name and names of places and names of people. So it's a little bit more. I always, you know, I get out of this by going. It's a little bit more dream It's a bit more like how my like I have a geography in my head, but it's one from memory of the house i based this b and on the car dealership the football pitch but i you know it wasn't that i mean also i was literally stuck in toronto and couldn't go back to check but you know i i i, I it, it's pretty loose but um you know just what what serves the story and um, it is more on these physical places are always more they're, they're based on my 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 memory the dream geography of my memory of places rather than than um you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who get the town plans and, and stick diligently to
0: them. Maybe I should, but, you know. <laughs> uh, the, um, one of the things that's great about the story is that there, there are a few linking passages where you actually become almost lyrical. It's wonderful to watch you <laughs> moving into that space where you describe the landscape. Um, for example, um, they're, they're sort of driving out into the countryside and the road to Lacken ran right along the coastline. For the majority of the drive, you couldn't see the Atlantic, but you could feel it. The way the horizon just dropped clean off into the sky, gulls swirling like paper plates in the updrafts out over the low, invisible sea. I thought that was pretty good. You know, in other words, it wasn't. uh, It was so precise as a thing that that it has to have a sort of. I suppose I'm asking what sort of memory brings that to you? Mm.
1: Well, that, that, that is my memory of landscape. It's very associative and it's very, it's, you know, it's images. Um, and um, it's just those, it's just those, those sort of glimpses of things. And uh, it's nothing, it's nothing unique. It's, it's things you see a million times a day, but, uh, you know, over the course of your life. But you haven't seen them in a while, they stick with you. They begin to, to uh, glow in your memory, you know. So it seemed very, it seemed very and, important to, just to and, have it in there. And
0: then there's a wonderful passage later on. Um I'm, I'm not going to read out your whole book to you i promise i'm not, you're not going to do this but um it, it, it is a wonderful paragraph that begins in the distance above nephid mountains the stars were appearing Now, stars are always dangerous in this story if you've got to put stars in yeah. do, you've got to do something really careful you know he looked up he saw the stars you know they were twinkling give us a break yeah. so listen to this in the distance above nephid mountains the stars were appearing in the highest darkest reaches of the sky Danny wondered if he was still a little high. I mean, he's he's taken a, he's taken a few puffs of a joint, because the stars looked like mistakes, glimmering little misimpressions you assumed would not be there if you looked again, but they were. And and again, the question is: h- how many drafts did that? I mean, in other words, it's a pretty good piece of star work, you know. I mean, it's it's um yeah.
1: if you could. Look at he stars, was high, it, so I let I I was like I <laughs> Danny wouldn't notice the stars otherwise, but he's he's high for the first time in his life. So he's gonna have a experience of the sublime, I suppose. So yeah, yeah. I felt that that sort of, but I was careful about that. You're absolutely right. Stars, sea, sky, it's all, it's all dangerous territory. So you gotta um you gotta be trying to do something different with it. And and yep. you know, that just in the end, it's it goes to character, I think. I think that's what I've learned over the the last few years. You can you can come up with a nice metaphor or a nice piece of descriptive language but it it has to be anchored in character so to me anyway in, in that moment this lyrical little interlude is is allowed given Danny's exact circumstances he's 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 possibly been dumped he's high he's kind of just accepting how adrift he is in his life and he's just you know so he has
0: his little moment looking up
1: and then it's gone
0: yeah he's possibly been dumped by his girlfriend and um he, he can, you can Because we know him at this point, we realize what a blow this is going to be, because that's another of your characters. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it happens also in Young Skins, you know, the whole idea of someone leaving to go to college and someone staying at home, being left behind. And the whole difference uh, already apparent from the first weekend of that experience. Um, and here it's coming again. So this, what, what are you going to do with Danny? you know when he he's driving back in with his brother and she's 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 really has dumped him actually, but it's going to be you know it's an open question for a while. And what does he do? And he does something really wonderful God, I don't know how you thought of it. He goes into into get he goes in to get gas, he goes in to get petrol and then he goes danny got himself a blueberry ice pop you know as he goes straight into childhood comfort food a blueberry yeah. ice pop um there was there was an ice cream freezer next door and he sat sideways in the driver's seat of the car with the door open his feet on the four concrete as he sucked away on the pop and his brother says to him you big baby ben says over the shoulder he says i am and then it's lovely a chunk of the ice pop this is later it slid off the stick and danny held it in his mouth then get burned against the inside of his cheek before he swallowed it. But it's of wonderful, like, like of all the things he could do, he could curse, he could drive fa- too fast, he could bang the driver wheel. No, he goes and gets an ice, a blue, what's it, what's it called again? It's a blueberry ice pop. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good one, you know? Comfort food.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, that was, uh, that, he was just the character I was interested in writing, which is a guy who like, you know, keeps it together, doesn't explode you know men are very hysterical they do explode at the drop of a hat so but he's someone who's quite um quite uh quite composed and even though he's going through a miserable time but he's you know he's trying at least trying to simulate keeping it together and that's his whole that's his whole thing so um yeah i mean his the blueberry ice pop was just uh you know for him that would be an indulgence as well you know he had to count every calorie in over in the academy, football academy so so even that is a little you know, and it's a, it's, it's, it seemed that it's a kind of quite a childish, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's been frozen in time almost as well, you know, as a, as a person. So, um,
0: and Have you noticed how little there is in Irish writing in general about actual sport, considering how much sport is played in the country and how much it, space it takes up in the public imagination? That there's hardly, there's, there's hardly anything about GAA, but there's certainly very little about local soccer. And um, mm. so, that bringing a character onto the soccer field and having play is actually quite a moment. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's not something that's happened much before in the long in in the long tradition, even of the Irish short story. Um, I,
1: I suppose not, but yeah, I had to had to throw it out there. But I mean, you know, again, it just um, it, it, I mean, it 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 was nice. I I didn't have you know I. I when I I started the story, I had the character, but of course I didn't know where it was going to go. So I mean it kind of once I kind of realized I would reintroduce the budgie character coach um who would be hunting him down to get him back to play. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of thought, well, that's that's where it's gonna go. We're gonna have a little moment on the pitch. And I mean, just uh and trying to do that and have it be like because it's just there is a there's a little bit of a football match played and it's, it's just you know, for him, I mean he's way too good to play and it. it's like it's you know, it's a local kick about but um you know i didn't want to i mean i wanted the moment to carry some sort of weight and to not be not be a moment of cheap fun or anything like that so yeah
0: Um, was it ever tempting to um have the his i mean he goes and plays for the um for the locals and was it ever tempting to have that being a disaster like some big fell from out the country would come and kick him or that, you know, he wouldn't score the goal. Like, like I love the fact that you give in to a sort of moment of pure tri- local triumph and he can kiss his girl. Yeah. You know, everyone watching. I, it's just really beautiful. It's really hard thing to do though, isn't it? Because you Feel constantly that the short story must be filled with defeat, disappointment. Sort of like if there's gonna be a match, it must if there's gonna be a girl, it's gonna dump the guy. It's gonna be a, a soccer match, someone's gonna actually, you know, not score. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I
1: suppose you're already, I mean, I get away. Maybe if I if I get away with that story, it's because it's already the whole thing is happening inside that it's already been engulfed in the shadow of a, a lifelong defeat for Dan, which is he's already you know his dream or whatever has, has ended. So you kind of once you're inside that, or you don't have to. You, 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 you. I think you, you know, you buy the chance to um to have those moments of light, moments of happiness, and moments of uh, positivity. Really, and just you know, um, mm. that the shadow is still there over it all. I think is greater defeat and failure. You call it.
0: Anyway, congratulations on the story. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I really it's really impressive. I mean, I've read it a number of times and, and technically it's extraordinary. And it's really brave and it does all sorts of things. Also, I love how Ben has shaved his head and the reason why and he doesn't tell the brother. There are all there's so many details in it. I love I want, I want to ask you about a story uh, about the drone, because it's your first story, as far as I'm aware, that's set in that's set in, in Toronto. And uh, since it's for your living, I I, I just wonder about um. Again, the locations, the parks, he's walking the dogs, there's a whole sense of the geography of Toronto. There's a sense yeah. of, uh, of cold. I just wonder if you could talk to us about, about the, the, consciously or unconsciously, realising that you have a new territory, there's a new topography available yeah, to
1: you. It took some tentative steps
0: into, into Toronto.
1: It's, it felt like the pandemic gave me permission to write about it, and obviously the pandemic features in that story. And um, that somehow it felt okay because we'd all entered the pandemic Zone the purgatory of the pandemic, so I felt like I felt like my whatever you would call it, my my sort of trepidation about, about writing about Toronto, because I just feel like I, what am I going to be able to say about it? Um, was nullified by this event, and so setting a story in Toronto in the pandemic, just you know, I thought it I thought it would be interesting to, do and thought it might pay off, so. Um, yeah, I mean ge- ge- geography and stuff is just. I when the pandemics when the lockdowns were happening, I was I was going out running a lot late at night, and um, just out of like whatever, just to you know boredom and anxiety and whatever else, and I was kind of doing a route, um, and the uh, from we were living downtown at the moment, so there's a park, Grange Park, which is the park in it, Maybe I call it something else, but anyway, it's right downtown near the Modern Art Museum, and then a couple of miles up the road is. Um, North of the university is a very fancy estate, which is where I put the uh, character Caper's house. And um, it's just it's it you know it's beautiful looking. It's up on a hill, it's elevated. It's just all really modern, ex, super expensive, you know, homes. And um, and I was just I was just running off and around there at night in the dark. And uh, that story just came out of came out of that experience, I suppose. On the snow, I, I realized, I think, and then when I point out in the review, I keep putting, I put, I think there's stories in Mayo with snow, and sure, it's only snowed in Mayo once in the last 25 years or something. But that was definitely a, you know, metaphorical drift from living in Toronto. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I now think there's been more snow in Mayo than there actually has yes, been. Yeah, it's lovely letting
0: some of the Canadian snow move across. Um, it's okay. Yeah.
1: But definitely, there's more, I I've depicted more than,
0: <laughs> um, can, can I ask you about another story the silver coast um, there, there are moments in stories um, which depend on something we don't understand and other words, an image comes that cannot be cleared up and that remains all the more powerful because somebody saw something and didn't understand what it was and you place it at the very centre of the story I think in number 10 a, there are a number of times where we think this is happening For example when they go out to look at the turbine being made you know being the blade being put on you think this is going to be a a big moment somehow that the turbine is going to carry a lot of weight I mean symbolic weight in the story but oddly enough it sort of doesn't it just you just let it down it's just another thing that happens in the story another locus another place characters can go but you don't give it a big presence but in the silver coast there's a wonderful moment at the center of the story. I wonder if you could just tell us about it. Um where someone remembers that the dead woman Lydia Healy did something once that really was is mysterious and, and, and is isn't explained. And um it it's it, it has to be very delicately done because it has to remain really important as well as not explained.
1: Yeah I mean I I you know um you know I it was a kind of a risk to do that and uh, you know um it's an open question whether it pays off whatever but it had to be just a moment yeah her, her, the main character's mother saw this woman lydia years ago at a wedding and she just kind of she was in the the foyer or whatever and the hotel and it was um there, there was no one behind the counter so this woman lydia just up at the counter and began rifling through whatever was behind there you know and um the 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 woman who observed this sort of was didn't know what what was happening and just just walked by and then you know it was never mentioned again so that was her sort of that was her abiding memory of this woman who died in the street funeral the yeah. story concerns and um yeah I mean it, it was you know I just it I, I it's one of those moments where you're like what do you where, where am I going to do what I'm going to do with this where I'm going to take it uh the story just seemed to be going in that direction it was uh, uh it's the most sort of uh, I don't know what the word would be, story, like slight or elusive or something story in the collection, I think. And it, it just, I knew it wouldn't hinge on much um, to land. Um, and so I, it, it just felt, it felt out to, to, to have it be that moment and have it not be something so that would uh, nag the reader too much, you know, because yeah, you have to try and keep the, the reader in mind. So you want, to, you want to present what is a kind of little mystery to a character that doesn't You know, doesn't knock the story off course for the reader by being too much. So that's what I—that's the only thing I was keeping in mind when I was trying to come up with that exact scenario. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, And there's another story I want to ask you about. And again, these these are technical questions because I'm interested in them. Um, There's a story called The Ways, and it's wide open in this story for you to do flashback, because it's a story in which there's a palpable absence, which is that both of the parents have died, leaving these three children, one of whom Mm -hmm. was. Is, is you know child the other one was an adolescent and the other one was a bit older but the three of them are are really left and what we don't get in the story what you really i mean you know you don't give into the temptation of offering us an image of them before all hmm. this death happened that you bring it into it's it's emphatically in the present tense and
1: hmm. um, i think that's that's something i do with all the stories and i i um I often I mean I know what the backstory is with characters and but I do have a I do try and keep as much of it out just to see how much of you can keep in the moment keep in the present um and see if you can you know imply all that stuff you know capture something that without having to go into it um and so it, it definitely I mean it's a me- it's a method I do in the ways most notably but um you know it happens with whoever's there come on through and and um, it, it, it's it's even the ten. I mean, there's no there's no sort of elaborate like there's no I've no scene of Danny as over in England or in the academy or you know any kind of it, it's all it all just happens. The stories always just happen in the wake of these things, and that's what I'm interested in writing about. You know, I guess I'm just I'm just attracted to something big has happened, but but writing in the, the wake of it, you know, in the present that comes after it all.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if some of it uh, has has result. I mean, the results of, of a lot of writing courses and creative writing teaching is the idea that somehow everything has to be explained and that um, backstory, 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 backstory. Give us backstory. Give us backstory. And backstory, you know, is the blue perfect. It, five years earlier, she had been. Where oh. her had been. You go. Had sure. been is the most had unsayable. On writer, but you go could get every had been out of your story because had been whatever way English was made. Had been is the worst; it's the ugliest two words. He had been several years in England. Oh, he had been, you know, okay. and you go stop had been. And the great thing about the ways is that the had been is just left to your imagination. You realise this must have it. Oh, there's a lovely moment in it where Nick, who's the older brother, and uh, he's working in a sort of restaurant. And um, he's become responsible. But there is a mention that before all these tragedy, he was really quite wild. But now he's become a much more sort of a solid fellow. He's had to change. But you don't get an image. You don't give us an image of, oh, among the things he had done when he had the, you know, that you don't, that you keep it in the dramatic moment. I think it makes the story much more dramatic that you don't do all that and i think it's it's very tactful and and, and brilliant of you not to do that
1: well thank you it's <laughs> just trying to be competent is all i'm ever trying to to be but, uh, with these things but um i definitely yeah i i maybe it is just uh, wanting to avoid the hand-in, <laughs> the grammatical quick sense. i mean i think in
0: this i think in this story the story the ways you get a sense through images in the present tense and some of the very small ones of just how damaged Jerry is, just how shocked he is and how all his behavior really can be, uh, like it really is a result of grief and and that this is a house of grief. And that his sister, Pell, seems tremendously intelligent and good, but she's at home in bed all the time because she doesn't want to go to school anymore because all of this, and you get a sense of encroaching damp, of them having no food, even if they had food, they don't eat the food. Um, and then you get a brilliant sense of Jerry uh, with, with his PlayStation um, did you research I, I, I read it and thought god I wish I thought of PlayStation I mean where, did you research PlayStation it, it is PlayStation is it?
1: Th- it is is it an Xbox or a PlayStation I think it might be an Xbox anyway it's one of those things yeah i heard the phrase Xbox to PlayStation but yeah it's the same thing with video game consoles and um, I mean I, I made up the game but it is based on like um you know, there's 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 video games that are more or less the equivalent of that. There's one, Red Dead Redemption Two, is like one set in the old way, the American frontier west, and you can go off and you know uh, hunt buffalo and shoot cowboys and stuff. And um so it was, it, the game in it is kind of roughly equivalent to that. But I, I just you know I invented one with a storyline to fit the story. So um it, uh, I mean, again, it just it just you know it was just trying to find something that you would be just. To, Get a sense of him, but just through yeah, without the you know. The, once you start using flashbacks as well, Colin, I think, and, and once you start doing that, it becomes a you know, you have to justify why you stop using it, you know, or whatever. So I just try to avoid all that. But if can you find something in the present in their present dynamic of a character that will go towards showing their in this case, their grief, their inertia, and so those uh the video games are a pretty good one because the video game is like. Uh, I, you know, I, I played video games when I was younger and stuff, and uh, they're a great waste of time, you know, which, like, yeah, like a lot of things.
0: I mean, what's skillfully interesting away. about the story as well is that, you know, the images have to be really centered around images of loss and grief and each of them wounded and shocked by this. But if you only do that, you lose the story, too. So there's yeah. a lovely moment, for example, there's a Chinese guy working with Nick and the Chinese guy, um, I think he's called Sean by everybody because they find his name unpronounceable, even though his name is perfectly simple, Chinese name. And there's a lovely moment where Nick just thinks, well, really, these guys should learn the guy's proper Chinese name, it isn't that hard. And you see him, you just see him in another moment where the grief isn't what's bothering him most, where other small things come into play. And even when Pella's on the bus and meets the other two guys on the bus, there are moments where everyone moves outside what they're meant to be doing in the story to do one other thing, which is to, to you know, so the story has to sort of, I suppose it makes the shock all, it makes the idea of grief all the more present because it's not always present. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's the important, universe. isn't it? The
1: medium they're moving in, so, but they're doing other things, you know? And um, that's, I don't know, that just that just makes sense to me that that's that's how, people end up having to cope with these things you know
0: god thanks very much for doing this and uh, and 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 thank you very much for everyone in mayo for 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 being involved and um, we'll talk to you all again soon